co-founder of Portland's very own um, Black Panther Party. So um, local and uh, one of you know the most amazing activists that we have right now. So right now, um, we only have about four, one to about like five questions, but if we don't get through them all perfectly fine, um, what we want to know is uh, how did you get to Portland? Were you born here? Did your family um, come here? Do you remember your history and how you how you how you guys originated in Portland? Well, I came here. I had a business going, and I came here and got it started. Okay. And what was the business? I was for? Uh, just out of school. Nice, nice. Did you go to school in Portland as well, or did you did you, so you Some, yeah, like a bunch, yeah. Okay. Do you remember how your family came to Portland, or is Port is? Uh, I came. Well, I, I, met, I started my family years later after I got here. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, and then uh, you said you graduated. Where did you go to high school? Down in California, the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you came up here to Portland for your business. Portland, and Seattle. So, Oregon, Seattle. All right. And what is what was the business in? Sorry. What was the business in? A retail business. Retail. Okay. So, so what got you into the um, into activism in the black? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot going on, but what made you um, the co-founder? Like you had a big role. Well, actually, uh, thanks for the question. It was uh, the '60s mm -hmm. and uh, the war in Vietnam. So it was the war in Vietnam, and um, how did that how did that impact? Well, uh, I thought it was an unjust war. I thought it was a war of imperialism, a war of uh, domination, and and uh, I had a friend who had actually heard Malcolm X speak in at the Audubon Ballroom in uh, New York, the Hall of in New York, mm. and he moved out this way, and we were talking, and and. Uh, Back so forward, you know, we get together every day. He, he had he had his uh, business, his business right down about two blocks from my house, mm -hmm. and uh, he, uh, he he later perished at a coal mine in Canada. And uh, so one thing led to another, you know, and I uh, went to computer school and I worked and and, uh, and got active in the peace movement. And, and then the peace movement hooked up with the civil rights movement. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. Oh, wow. Okay. So it all started with the Viet Vietnam War and then like that you said the peach movement? Hmm? It was called the peach movement? The peace movement, Vietnam and the war movement. Oh, okay. I, I had no, I didn't, had never heard of the peach movement. Um, and that was for the Vietnam War. And the war Vietnam peace movement. And you said that you got to um, listen to Malcolm X speak? Actually, uh, my friend, he had actually seen him in person speaking on in Harlem in New York City. Amazing. And he moved out this way. His brother had a state, had a service station out here. And he, he moved out to work for his brother. And so he and I got to talking and he was real outgoing and everything. He was, he, he was uh, a Puerto Rican nationality mm. and it raised it, it raised in Harlem. Okay, okay. Harlem. Uh, so, you know, you probably heard of uh, when the peace movement actually hooked up with the uh, and the war movement in 1967, actually, and, and uh, 68. Mm -hmm. And yeah, take your time. Um, so, so how did so when you guys started talking, um, did you two come together? So is he the founder and you were the co-founder of the Black Panther? No, he was. He wasn't. He was. The Black Panthers came along several years later. I see. And uh, yeah, he eventually moved. He eventually moved to Canada. Got met, moved to Canada and married a Canadian woman, okay. and uh, he 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 uh, perished in a coal coal mine in uh, in Canada. And uh, pretty much what happened. Uh, but we, we would always talk politics, you know, and uh, war, wars of imperialism and, uh, uh, you know, U.S. domination of the world. And, uh, 
That's that's pretty much it. But then the party came along, you know, and, and one of the uh, platforms of the party was that we want to immediately end the police brutality and murder of black people, mm-hmm. which is number six of the uh, Black Panther Party 10-point platform and program. And, uh, and so we uh, start organizing here locally, you know, with some of the guys who actually came back from Vietnam and uh, doing the street organizing on the street corners, talking about the war in Vietnam, you know, U.S. domination of the world. And, and, and uh, I guess police brutality and harassment, uh, they, nobody, nobody, you know, these uh, murders were police George Floyd, and we had our George Floyds and choke holds and, and sleeper holds and all that. We had those all, all back in the 60s, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's pretty much, that's not pretty much it. And so the, the, the number six of the 10 point platform and program is we want to immediately end the police brutality and murder black people. It's more relevant today in 2021 than it was back in 19, 1966 when it was written. Yeah, you said it's slower today. You said it's, it's slower today or the... Yes. Sorry, I, I think I missed the last sentence that you said because you said um, you were comparing no, it, it was, now. It, the ten point platform program was written in 1966. Okay. And it's more relevant today than it was when it was written in 1966. Okay. Okay. I see. And so, what was so you were in Portland during all of this? Did you see? I mean, I don't know what Portland was like during this time in in the 1960s. What? How was that um, experience for you um, leading into the Black Panther? Um, well, the uh, PDC cast that came down on the on the on the uh, they, were, they they never did get their foots off the blacks in in, in in the Albany area, and then they came down on the peace movement guys pretty uh, people in the peace movement pretty hard. So it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a strategic thing that we actually merged in, in, into one movement, mm-hmm. and then the movement uh, evolved into the uh, uh, Peace and Freedom Party. Uh, and Dr. King, he made that speech in 1968, actually April 4th, 1967, at the Riverside Church in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when he spoke out against the war in Vietnam. Okay. And, wouldn't, and wouldn't you know, almost a year to the date, April 4th, 68, he, 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 he was assassinated. Yes, yes, yeah. Remember, I know April 4th, I know that date he was assassinated. Um, and that was that was that, that was, was a, that was a retaliation for him speaking out against the peace movement. As long as he kept it, kept his focus on the uh, internal civil rights in the United States and not uh, disagree with the U.S. foreign policy, and uh, you know we have eight hundred military installments in over 100, 132 thirds of the world's countries. And, and uh, he could have kept, you know, uh, he had got the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. And uh, he could have kept staying away from the U.S. foreign policy. But you had a lot of guys in the peace movement who actually got, uh, started talking to him and had his ear about the uh, war in Vietnam and what it was doing. So he made a statement one time. He says, oh, the uh, bombs you dropped in Vietnam it's going to explode at home, and that's exactly what happened. You had Washington, '66. You had Newark, Detroit, Harlem, all these major cities blowing up. Yeah. And uh, the, the troops in uh, the American troops in Vietnam, especially the minorities and black troops and Latinos, uh, they could see this. And then when they come back, they want to know what all this was about, all this racial unrest and all this strife in the cities. So the party was on the street. The party was on the street corners every day. We we circulated over a hundred thousand uh, papers nationwide. Uh, the chapter grew to 20, 28 cities in uh, including the District of Columbia. We fed uh, over thirty thousand kids a week. That was one of the biggest and baddest things that we did. Five o'clock in the morning, we'd be loading the trunk of the car with weapons of mass destruction. Bacons, eggs, pancake mix. We had a free health clinic and a free dental clinic. 
We're the only chapter in the country to have a free dental clinic. That's amazing. So, so has this, is this still to, I mean, what does it look like today? Um, has, a have, has this evolved into today in any way, um, the organization? I don't know for the Black Panther Party and, and all the involvement um, in doing all the all the things you did for the different counties and the children. Has Is there anything today that the county still in, or what you were involved in is still going or impacting us right now? Uh, actually, I'm involved. I do my walking tours and I also do my... Uh... Uh, I was in the streets all last spring and summer and then fall and still in the streets today. Yeah. And uh, I want to say it's going to take place in the streets. It's not going to come from Washington. It's not going to come from Salem, a city hall. It's yeah. going to come from the streets. We accomplished more in over six months. Uh, it's yeah. about six months that civil rights accomplished in over 50 years. <laughs> well, just taking to the streets, really getting our voices out there makes makes a big difference because um, I don't think that people always see how many constituents there are um, supporting a cause and showing everything that's happened during this pandemic and, and during all the Black Lives Matter protests has really, I think, shown that we're, we're a big number of people that believe this. Um, but that was actually what we wanted to, that kind of leads into another question that I was um, interested. You said that, um, you're seeing today that it's not going to happen in Salem. It's not going to happen in DC. Um, what would you say are the are the major, the most influential um, acts of activism and, and ways that we can really change from your experience? What would you say has really made the biggest difference? Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the True Rainbow Coalition that Fred Hampton started back in 1967 and 68. And, uh, you know, it's the multi multiculturalism of the party the, 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 uh, that, that's, that's out in the streets today and, uh, and, support, and support that the whole Black Lives Matter struggle is getting from the whole community, everybody in the neighborhoods. And Portland, you have weekly, weekly demonstrations. You have demonstrations every Wednesday. Uh, uh, we, we're down at the Justice Center all summer long. We're out, we're out at the police union buildings. We were at the precinct on Killingsworth and uh, MLK, and at, also at the Justice Center. And we are. Uh, it's a it's a it, uh, young lady. All you guys, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I think that's a hundred percent. And um, sometimes I think that if we don't see the change right away, that's not reason to to give up, right? How long, how long would you say that it took for you to feel like you actually felt there was there was impact from what you were doing? Oh, immediately uh, when the uh, last person that we had went over to the uh, chapel across the street and held up the Holy Bible, you know, uh, that's, uh, and uh, the, the, the uh, George Floyd, uh, Beata Taylor, Amal Aubrey, this hit the whole world. And uh, the whole world can see what, 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 what America was doing uh, uh, to, to the less fortunate people in society. And yeah. then, uh, we, uh, it, it's, uh, so it wasn't, it's just, when you, you know it was time for everybody to move, uh, not just in uh, uh, Oregon or Washington or Seattle or uh, Minneapolis, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, uh, when uh, you had demonstrations in Klamath Falls and, and, Hood, and Hood River and also as well as uh, Hermiston, Oregon. And then you had in, 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 all, in all these smaller Oregon cities, you know, when 95, 95 to 100 percent white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could imagine <clears throat> that's a that could be very scary and um, a big job back then. Um, you know, now now we have so much social media being able to display, you know, the George Floyd case and give us information on the Breonna Taylor case back when social media and the internet wasn't um you know up and running how did you guys spread the how did you guys spread the word so far across the country i know that 
there were lots of demonstrations you said were going on were you and you did connect across the country was it just phone calls was it i know you guys didn't have emails and such um exactly see we had uh, we had our they didn't have emails or texts or social media, you had Facebook and all that, you know, we didn't have CNN, we didn't have uh, MSNBC, none of that, a Fox, a Fox News, you know, and, uh, we had the old fashioned mimograph machine, you know, we run off, I was printing our stuff up and run off on the Xerox machine and running off on the, on the mimograph machines. And then we get out and distribute the leaflets in the streets about a meeting here tonight, a meeting here tonight, a meeting on the corner. And, yeah. Uh, then we had the weekly paper where you, uh, where articles would be about Vietnam, about social issues in America, about what the police are doing in Washington D.C., New York, or here in Portland, Oregon, or Seattle. And uh, we, uh, it was a, it was it was an effort uh, uh, from everybody in the community. And, Today, you know, everything is at your disposal. And uh, all you do is you send a text or email about and they leave it about tonight and you pull it up on your phone. That's pretty much it and you're there. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's so much easier now to get the word out. Um, exactly. So the effort, you know, the, that you all put in back when and, and we should be able Thank to you. do like 100 times, 100 times that. Um, Thank you. When you, did you say that the newspapers were printing stories about the Vietnam War and what was going on? Um, Are you? Or, or did, you, I know you said you were printing um, and did, it wasn't in the newspaper at all, or, or was it? Did the newspaper help? Well, you had these sweetheart newspapers and, uh, you know, it's, uh, they, they, they were sold and brought by the Pentagon and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I used to read the editorials back in the 60s, late 60s, about the war in Vietnam. And uh, you had, you had, you had, didn't have anybody that was writing decent editorials about the war in Vietnam. You had troops, you had reporters on the ground in Vietnam. And then their stories were censored by the editors that didn't get back to the people. You had the Milai massacres and all, and uh, the atrocities that was happening in Vietnam, the same thing that's happening, happening in Palestine and Afghanistan today. And uh, you had, uh, and it, it was the same type of coverage. Either you report the news like it is, or you shouldn't report it at all, even the part itself. Uh, the local paper, the Argonian, and uh, uh, OP, OPB, and uh, public radio, couldn't get any kind of decent report on all of them at all. Yeah. So you know, I still hold, you know, a lot of animosity and, and uh, contempt in my heart for a lot of these uh, sources today. And it's it, and it's it's really good how it shifted overnight uh, after the murder of George Floyd and Beyond the Taylor and Omar Aubrey. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, I, I kind of, that was kind of the base. My question was how much support was there? And um, I know even today, you know, the media is often filtered, our newspapers and, and what journalists, journalists have experienced and, and really want to write out is often filtered um, and they don't get, get the whole truth or the whole story. So, I mean, that is, that is interesting. So you said you had, a little bit of animosity up until today for the uh, the George Floyd and everything with OPB and like the Oregonian and stuff because of the way that they interacted um, with you guys at the time. And well, you have uh, and, and, uh, the thing of it is even reporting on Palestine and uh, and, and uh, yeah. Israeli sharpshooters uh, killing them all in Palestinian teenagers today uh, with precision accuracy. Mm. You always get the other side. You never get the Palestinian side of it. Uh, I 100% agree. There's, there's, you know, multiple sides to a story, um, especially, you know, and then there's the truth as well. So it, it, it is really, we have to know when to believe what we hear and then also to make sure that we are doing our own background research and um, making sure the sources are are supported by people that actually will, um, you know, support the truth or 
or they're not influenced by um, the money. And I know a lot of that happens most of the time. So we can't get all the accurate information out there. Um, there's a lot of influence and money is a, a big one. Um, so you said currently right now you are, you are taking to the streets. Exactly. Yeah, and is this, how has that impacted you during Corona? Coronavirus and the... Uh, everybody's practicing the social distances and they have their masks and some, because some cases double masses. Now with one case back during this uh, summer uh, at the Justice Center, you know, you have a, a Portland policeman full of, put actually a, a, a older gentleman like myself, you know, he was 75 years old and did two tours of duty in Vietnam, pull, pull his mask down and pepper spray him. The gentleman name was Mike and a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was a vet, you said? He was a vet, former Vietnam vet. Oh man, I, I actually, I don't know if this is the same person, but I did see um, a video of, of a, a vet who went up to the police officers to ask them why they weren't um, upholding their oath, basically. That was Mike. That's who I, I figured. That's who I, I think it was because I saw that video and I was, I was shocked because he was he actually was just standing there and he didn't do a single thing. And even as he turned around, they kept on, they kept charging at him. Um, it was a case uh, out on Stark Street at the hundred night. You know, uh, we were out there that night and, and we had the speeches, good speeches, good band playing and music and everything. We had a pretty nice time and no sooner we leave the park, boom, it's declared an illegal protest. Mm. And here comes the, here comes the okadoke, the smoke grenades, the tear gas, everything. Everybody got their running, but it was the international press here, the guys from the New Yorker magazine, the Washington Post, the French, the French newspaper, Le Monde, the, the, the British newspaper, the Australian newspaper, the newspapers from all over the world. It's getting a story. It was 190 in Portland. No swimming, no swimming, leave the park. Oh, we're just marching out to the precinct down the street. Everybody got to running, you know, and uh, they got to hit the back streets and, and they tear, tear gas, tear gas, tear gas. The police riding around on the SWAT mobiles and the tear gas went in the houses and the rooms where the mothers were sleeping, babies were sleeping. Where pregnant women was asleep, and uh, this is a lot of the stuff downtown where the feds came in. You remember that? Yeah. Started arresting people, just picking guys up off the street, going home. I myself would stay down there sometime one and two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I did hear about those unmarked vans that were um, picking people up. Um, I heard people were screaming out their phone numbers, like, hey, this is my phone number, make sure my mom or tell whoever that they know um, that this is what happened to me. I I was a little bit confused um, about the unmarked bands because I didn't know if, I didn't hear anything after that. I didn't hear about anybody, um, what happened to the people who were picked up and if we know any of those people, were, I, it sounds like you were pretty active and you were there. Um, did you know anybody that was picked up or did you hear anything? Yeah, we, uh, they uh, created a, a, a bail fund. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> and I was able to get, a, get uh, over a thousand people got arrested last summer. They created a, raised a bail fund to get everybody out of jail. And they raised, they, and, they raised a bill for everyone, everyone to get out of jail. And, uh, and, and we get, were able to get everybody out of jail and they're facing trial. And the, the new DA that Portland uh, got elected last November, uh, he agreed to not to uh, prosecute anybody that, uh, that, that was out in a protest after George Floyd's murder. Then the feds decided they were going to pick it up. Who knows what they're going to do now with the new president uh, that, that, that's been inaugurated. Yeah. And after the capital, capital rise, you know, I don't like to try to suck against, against these guys and see where they're going with this or that, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just take it each day, take it as it comes. 
always try to stay on the offensive. Yes, I 100% agree. I think, you know, if we keep faith, like we don't want to just off the bat be um, too negative and think about every wrong thing that could possibly happen. I think the more we try to influence um, and I think our voices are so strong um, and we don't realize it because we feel so divided or they, it makes, we come out to feel like we're the only ones that feel this way. Um, in Portland, it's not so much the case, but I feel like when you, in a lot of other parts of the country and other parts of Oregon as well, I think anybody who would have wanted to speak out on something like this outside of Portland, um, you're probably not, you're probably not feeling as confident to do that. Well, I am very impressed. That was, I got a call from a lady. Uh, she's uh, one of the best writers in the States. Her name is Martha Geese. And uh, that was an 82 year old nun actually came up from Mexico. And, and uh, she would come by the house every evening. We would go down to the protest. We'd come back and our grandson would pick her up. But she would sit across from the park every day and she'd pass our pocket lawyers to everybody that would walk past. So she stayed here for two weeks and she went back. So, you know, uh, I, uh, there was uh, people locally in that, in that age group and uh, they actually so well, uh, I'm a little too old to get out there. Well, this lady came. This lady came all the way up from Mexico. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That word reached out there too. You, you might have seen her. She's sitting over in a walker, sitting there across from the park in the justice center, just passing our pocket lawyers. And she's still. And you said um, she's, but she went back to Mexico already. She went back to Mexico. Sister Mary Gio was is her name. She wanted. She wanted to be a part of this. Yeah. So how did she how did she hear about it um, from Mexico? Did did you know her prior to that? I didn't know her. Actually, one of the, one of the writers in the state. She's a writer here in 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 the, in the state of Oregon and the city of Portland. And actually, she's a good writer. Okay. She wrote a lot of stuff on the party, the Black Panther party, and everything. Oh, did she? And, uh, okay. She, she called me up and told me she was coming up and she wanted to hook up with somebody. And I said, "You tell her, yeah." hook up with me and I, we, we go down together. We hang out together down there and that's what we've done. That's amazing, that's amazing. How many, and I'm sure you met so many people. I mean, I was down there protesting once or twice and I I don't know yeah. what, um, if I had ever seen you there, I may have, but. I'm pretty sure you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have red suspenders on and okay. a black hat on. Yeah, you probably popped out huh, with the red suspenders. I like that. Um, did so how often were you were you going to every single one did you speak at any of them uh, I, I went to every single one okay. come home rest rest up and get back down rest up and get back down yeah. and then, went, then we had the uh we leave revolutionary hall in the first stage and mm -hmm. march over sometime to Irvington park 15th yeah. and fremont mm -hmm. uh, on Thane park some of the other I was at, we were at Jefferson High School the night they pulled a statue down. Oh, you you were there. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, you have been there through a lot of this, a lot of the big events that happened. Uh, actually, OPB had one of the reporters, Jonathan. He was there. And he covered. The, he also covered the Justice Center. Nice guy, good guy. Yeah. And, and uh, that's why I ran into a reporter from uh, New Zealand actually at, uh, at the uh, Jefferson High School the night they pulled a statue down. Mm-hmm. A reporter from New Zealand is, and did you um, did you take down the stories and everything? And um, is so is it was this reporter um, for for Portland? He was just from New Zealand, or was he going back to New Zealand with for information from Portland? I think we. He was from New Zealand. Okay, and he was reporting for Portland or for New Zealand. I think our recording is getting a little slow here. Can you hear me? Yeah, again, you know, I want to stress, and I can't stress this enough. I have a tendency sometimes to want to drive a point home, but, uh, you know, I thought I with the brothers and sisters at, a, at the Justice Center, and uh, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And uh, 
one night we were at the police union on Lombard to go to go west. So I turned to the young lady who was standing next to me and said, Marcellus, how are we going to go west? And the police is lined up across the street. And then, boom, here comes the stuff from the north. And, oh, we got to break and run. And, 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 uh, and it's the key from getting tear gassed. And, uh, and uh, so it, it was kind of like the uh, mobilization of the whole city. The down, down at the park, you know, we had the snack van, we had the ride ribs. You remember the ride ribs? They had good food. I did see that. I was, I, I loved the community that got built down, down. Exactly. It was, it was beautiful. I mean, young man named Itchy Trigger, and uh, he was the most powerful man in the city back during the summer. Every night he'd get there at the Chester Center with his speaker and his microphone. And you say black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Even even the mayor, he had to come down and ask him could he use his platform. Uh, to, and and he did. It just let him. It just let him use, uh, talk. And uh, he and uh, the the uh, lady, the other lady that was running for mayor, Sarah, she would come down. You hardly know she was there. She'd be over in the park just and uh, she well she actually she almost won. She would, she would ride her bike from Revolutionary Hall all the way over to Irvington Park sometimes at night. You hardly know she was there. She was quiet, methodically. She, and, uh, and I got a chance to meet her. And, you know, it's a shame she didn't win because we actually would have had a, we could have had the police in check mm. and, uh, and, and actually defund the police union and put the money on the table for Miller Miller Health and, and, uh, have somebody uh, instead of pulling, pulling, pulling your gun and shoot, shoot a person that's going through a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. You have a mental health specialist on the scene, yeah. and uh, we had a chance to address this homeless problem in, in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't need to stress the homeless problem in the city to you, a, a young man down here, or anybody. I don't need to do that. You guys are just right around it. So just about every intersection in every city in, in, uh, in, in the city. But I'm not, and uh, we are. So that's pretty, that's pretty much what we had the chance to, to elect the most progressive mayor in the, 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 the city ever had. That was the chance, yeah. Um, we, with the with the defunding the police, I know there's there's so much that goes around that, and I know that's more of a redistribution of of money. Um, so many people like there's a negative connotation now that goes with that, and I think there's a misunderstanding um, that we're not wanting to get rid of the police, but rather like have spread the money out so it makes more sense. Um, exactly. Yeah, because I I do think that police aren't necessary in every single uh, situation that would be a crisis um, in the community. Uh, Look what happened in um, Minneapolis. Two weeks after after George Floyd got dusted, they completely abolished the police department. They did? Okay. Okay. And what did they do? You know what happened after that? What they did? They had to set up something else. The city council decided to set up something else. I don't exactly know what the details are the, are the new structure. Yeah. But when you uh, when, when you embark on a, uh, these kind of uh, social movements, uh, sometimes I, I think my friend, as a professor, he was telling me we he and I marched all all for six months last year, and. Uh, Sometimes there's, there's, there's decades uh, where nothing happens. I think that's the way you put it. And, and other times there's weeks where decades, decades happen. That's, that's pretty much what happened last summer. Yeah. And uh, we have to uh, kind of, I, I think uh, sometime, uh, we have to just keep uh, floating like butterflies and stinging like bees. And uh, we're doing nothing wrong. Right. Right, a hundred percent. It's 
it's not it's not wrong to stand up for your rights that were like Martin Luther King said it was it was a bad check <laughs> he said it was um he said it was a bad check and that he did not believe that um the justice system was was low on funds and I think that's, <laughs> that's still the the case today that we're still trying to get those human rights that were promised to to the community that has been you know just in every single way that we can think of. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, if you uh, see history, and uh, history, history is straightforward. Sometimes it goes back. Sometimes it's going forward. And you would think that Dr. King only made two speeches, and that was "I Have a Dream" and a mountaintop speech. Mm. But then he made that Vietnam War speech, and that was that was a speech that sealed his faith. Then in the early 70s, the city of Pula got in and Martin Luther King business. And they uh, they had their own, uh, and they had, we had a black police chief. We had even had a black city commissioner. And look, look where it got us. It's good, yeah. got it. I've heard that um, there was even a case, the police department, the way they, they um, select people and who, who they keep on on board or the people that are able to they're able to manipulate there was a case I, I remember of a man who had a very high iq and the police um wouldn't kept, wouldn't take him on board because he wasn't somebody that they they thought would listen take direction he would think for his own and he would speak up so right now we can see in so many different ways how you know even down to the iq level of people um the way the police are picked and the way they're trained. I'm, I'm, I'm a hairstylist and I've learned that I take more hours of training to become a hairstylist right now um, than a police officer. That, yeah. So I, I wonder like, as when it comes to the police department, um, they don't, they shouldn't be in charge of every single case. I, I don't believe they, their presence needs to be there all the time, but when it is there, um, there are so many different ways that we can, before shooting a person. Um, I just wonder, do you think that uh, a lot of people would say maybe defunding them would take away from the tactics, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think that the money that is used for their tactics right now, just the, um, it could be changed. The program that they're learning in could be changed, but in which ways over time have you, I'm sure you've seen or witnessed a lot of police shootings in Portland life as you've in your time here, right? Or have you felt that it's it's increased, decreased um, in the way police handle situations in Portland after everything that you guys have done? Has it changed at all? Um, There's more of, a will, more of an awareness now uh, on, on the street level. Okay. And uh, you have the social media, you have the cell phones where you can Documents everything. And in my day, police shoot somebody, no questions asked. Just a problem homicide. Oh, yeah. And, uh, no, and so this gave him, this gave him um, a green light. And anybody, jaywalking, uh, Oh, and it, one of the pretexts that they would often use back in the day, they had a warrant out for the person. Mm -hmm. Okay, once you get some, get, get the po po police community relation guy to serve the warrant on the person. You don't have to uh, serve, serve with the one with a six shooter. You don't have to, what was that last part? You don't have to what? With a firearm. It's a sidearm. You don't have to serve a warrant with that. Oh wow! And then that's that was a pretext that they used back in the day. Even yeah. myself, you know, if they had a warrant out for me, uh, my lawyer set up a deal with him. Contact him. He would contact me, and then they would uh, uh, bring. I would go meet, go down and meet him. We mm -hmm. would sit down and see what the one was about. And there's 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 a procedure matter, but just police union is uh is so strong. That's one of the uh, 
issues I had, you know, with some of the candidates back during this, the last year's elections. A lot of them took money from the police unions. Well, you can't take money in this hand for the police union to be out and, 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 and uh, talking about Black Lives Matter. It's just, it don't work that way. They call that whooshing, young lady, you know, whooshing in one hand and shitting in the other. Mm. It just, just don't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah, there's there's so much I want to I want to ask about your experience, um, and I don't know how much that I can, but you can share whatever you'd like. Um, were you Were you arrested at any time during your? your oh, they arrested me five times in one week before they came out with me for a secret indictment. Mm-hmm. And I was a lady that didn't even know that actually came down and put up the bill for me. She put up over seven eighty thousand dollars for me to bail me out of jail back in sixty eight. Eighty thousand. And I didn't even know if I didn't know from you from you guys, but it did. She she was she, but but she was she was a an ally in the peace movement and uh, I guess the Vietnam War. She built me out of jail. Mm-hmm. I was able. I knew they didn't have anything on me. I knew, so yeah. I uh, I was able to get out, organize my case, and I was able to beat it. And I but the uh, main thing is I was able to stay on the streets, stay on the street corner. If I. Uh, I could have, I'd have been out talking about the war in Vietnam and and and, uh, and, and helping recruit people, guys to go over there and all that. I would have been the best. I would have been the best guy Poland ever had because I was against the war in Vietnam. I thought it was unjust. I, I guess all wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, Palestine. And um, um, sorry, I had so many. I've lost my question, but um, thank you. <laughs> I had something that came up that I wanted to ask you about these um, wars, but listening to you it slipped my mind a little bit. I guess for right now, um, what would you say? Not everybody has taken to the streets. Um, and what would you say is another, would be alternative ways for, um, I guess our youth now, um, adults now, I guess anybody that isn't protesting, what would you, what would you say that they do? What, what would you say would be as the most, um, impactful to the cause in a, in a positive way? Uh, is to, uh, support it, uh, support the, support the, uh, Support it in any way you can, and uh, you know, verbally, uh, it just, just, you know, just like you guys are doing with the program that you have here about activism. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I go just to be an extra body out there, and uh, I, I march with my friends, uh, teacher, teachers in private schools, and my friend as a professor. Uh, his family, his kids, and my family, my kids, uh, my grandkids, and, and mothers out with their grandkids. You know, just this past MLK day, we left uh, Peninsula Park, march up to MLK, and down past the police station on uh, MLK in Killingsworth. Mm-hmm. That used to be a free mile still, you know. Killingsworth and, uh, and MLK? Yeah, where, where the police station is on MLK. That was a third milestone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, on the top of the police building, there's this policeman armed to the teeth. And, and as you got mothers out there with the kids, you got uh, mothers with the kids and strollers there with the kids on bicycles. Well, what's that about? Mm-hmm. There's all this big, ugly crowd down below on MLK Day. So if we pass police, he's on the roof and he marched, he's on the uh, north end of the roof and we pass him going from north to south and he marches all the way down to the end of the building uh, and in the building, he's on top of the roof. I actually been up there at night too and uh, the same thing at night too when they blocked the streets off and with the palm for lights. I think you've probably been up there yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I work, I work on MLK. So it's all okay. very, it's all very close. Good for you. Um, but that used to be Union Avenue. 
Union Avenue. You probably, you probably don't remember when it was Union Avenue. Oh. I used to be Union Avenue. <laughs> and like I said, in the early 70s, the city got in the uh, the King business. And when they decided to make it a, a legal holiday and yeah. And they ran all the operations from the Mall of Cities and moved all the employees from over there to the to the MLK school, elementary school. Mm-hmm. And they started running this stuff out of the King facility. Amazing. What I was um I know Al, you had mentioned Albina and Killingsworth and all these old streets that um there's a lot of history behind it. And I know, can you tell us any? I don't know if you if you have any um, experience with anything that happened at the Vanport uh, with Vanport and the flood. Um, do you were did were you there during any of that or do you? No, actually, uh, my my, uh, my ex wife was. Okay. She she was at the day the flood happened. Her and her, her, and her family, and I worked with a group called Vanport Mosaic. Have you, have you heard of the group? Well, no, I haven't. Well, they. Uh, you might want to look that up. It's, it's a beautiful group. They do plays and they do history of Vanport. They have tours and everything. Amazing. And uh, it's a multicultural group, multiracial group. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, actually, you might want to get involved yourself. That sounds and, and they've been in existence now for about five years. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's pretty recent. So this is recent. Exactly. Okay, okay. And they, and they, uh, they have uh, bus tours of airport. They have some of the old timers that still left telling stories about the day of the flood. Do and they? And everybody, everybody moved to Albina. Yes. And I had a friend actually, uh, uh, he, uh, they lived out there also. Mm. Some of the old timers. Yeah, and you still, and you said they still live out there on Albina? Or... This is a lot of a lot of us still live here, oh, and, yeah. but, but the sad thing about it, uh, the, the younger generation have to move out to the numbers because the community is being so gentrified. Yes, the gentrification. I mean, I, I getting out of out of college, I experienced some of that too, and I learned um, of some people losing their homes um, that they had been in for so long due to just crazy property taxes that they could not keep up with. Um, in these historical houses and, and whatnot. Um, so no, I do know, I do remember that time, everyone was moving out to the numbers. Um, and then I do know that the numbers is now actually starting to pick up just a little bit too. They're doing a, a lot more construction out there. So people are starting to move further into, into Gresham now. Um, and I know that the black community isn't, hasn't been, isn't as strong in Portland and it's all written, it's getting even, you know, less and less um, as people get pushed out of, of the actual Portland, the city of Portland. Um, I, wh- I wonder what, what do you think will, will happen? Do you think that there will be some support around keeping Portland natives here? Cause I don't hear much about that. And I haven't really, I know that they tried to make a couple bills around rent and how much you could raise rent to keep people. And I know that there's been, um, you know, a lot of construction with um, affordable housing and income-based housing, mm-hmm. but which I've, I've seen um, is, is helping a lot, but ha- I don't know how, how do you see that incorporating with Portland's gentrification as well as, you know, as this, this attempt at affordable housing? Some of it, some of it is, a, is, is a, a too little too late. It's a little too late. And, and this should have been implemented the minute uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the minute the gentrification started, they should have implemented the, uh, put in place this, this type of structure that they try to do at the end here now. And yeah. uh, the community has been to over 90% gentrified. Yeah. And they all, the younger generation, uh, your, your generation and the generation after you, they move they move it out to the numbers yeah. and it, it, it's really sad to see uh, this happening you know when you can't you, you can't live and stay and strive in a community that you were actually raised up in when you went to school to the local schools and the parks that you played in yeah I agree 
the one of the parks that I grew up in it was Arbor Lodge Park and I remember taking a friend over there um I was going to show him the park I grew up in and the, and the day I actually went over there to show him it was being complete you know and they actually made it into a really nice park but at the same time it wasn't for the people that were native to Portland it was bringing in um obviously money money is a big motivation for maybe the main motivation for gentrification um so yeah you say I mean, I, I feel you, I hear you. It could be a little bit, a little too late. Um, but you said you felt gentrification because um, in my own experience, I'm 26 years old. I've noticed that I I noticed it for about five to six years, but you say you've seen this gentrification happening for about 30 years. Started back in the eighties. Uh, oh, okay. The late seventies, early eighties. Man. Okay, yeah, that's, it's been a long time. Portland has changed a lot. Um, since since your start here in Portland and now we're almost running out of time but the last thing I do want to ask you is what are the are the, are the greatest changes that you've seen um, when you started at the Black Panther up until now what are the most progressive changes that you've seen well thank you for that question uh, the uh, the struggle actually uh, the struggle in the streets with the pro uh, I guess the the uh, Immigration, police brutality, housing, uh, as a few changes on the city council, uh, the favorable response. I'm just looking at the positive sides, and uh, we have a chance to uh, eliminate, uh, uh, not eliminate, but uh, push push a lot of these issues. Uh, uh, that, that the people and uh, the struggle is more, people more conscious now because of social media, because of people out in the streets. I wouldn't read too much into uh, the new president or the new vice president or the, the new secretary of defense and all this business. I wouldn't read too much into all that. Uh, we, 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 we've been here before, been there, done that. These people at the top, they never actually gets back down to the to the comrades and the brothers and sisters and the people, multiracial people on the street, you never gets down to that. This past summer, I've seen this kind of stuff uh, over at Overton Park, Peninsula Park, Unthink uh, Park, out in the streets, uh, marching on the freeway. I've seen everybody out there. And uh, I think this is, uh, and Malcolm would say, let your blood run in the streets. Uh, I think this is, uh, I, I don't want to read nothing into it. I just want to uh, be like the guy that's in recovery. want to just take it a day at a time. Yeah. I like, I think that's the main message that you've, you've been giving us a day at a time and, and to keep it, keep it pushing. Just keep, keep going. Um, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it really was such an honor to have you and to hear your side and your experiences. Probably we're not, you know, we, these are conversations that so many people, um, we won't have live for very long. Um, you know, we've, we've lost tons of great people so far and, you know, almost all the Holocaust um, people from that time are gone, you know, they, people that have really experienced and, and lived it. Um, so this is amazing to be able to really hear someone that's, lived it, experienced it, can talk about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, you know, these are just things that we've learned about. Um, but so you- we had a guy, we had a guy in the party named Big Man, you know, when he would always talk about the party and he would say, I never have so few done so much with so little. And we had a minimum amount of resources, a few of us, but, but we, kept, we kept on plugging away. At the health clinic, we received over 100, 100 patients a week. We had all the specialties. It was free to everybody. Today, we're fighting for the same thing, a Medicare for everybody. Yeah. Again, to, you know, the, the, uh, the Obamacare, you know, the, the, the Republicans watered that down so much. You need a Philadelphia lawyer to tell you what you got, mm -hmm. uh, 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 what kind of benefits you have. Well, you see, uh, 
We're the one, not one of, but the richest country in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, right to the north of Canada, they, 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 have, uh, they have national health care. Yeah. National health policy. The British have it, the French have it. The, the Cubans have the best health care system. Little, little Cuba have the best health care system in the Western, Western Hemisphere. They send doctors all over the world. Somehow we're the richest and we have, you know, so much homelessness, so many people in, in incarcerated, um, mental health issues, people without health care. It's, it's amazing to me, uh, the things that we haven't been able to accomplish in the country. Uh, I, I feel like, I feel like us being so rich in such a superpower country or nation has actually, um, kind of came back to, to, you know, it backfired a little bit because we've ended up spending so much on the military to protect the this rich country that we have now that we're, we don't even have enough to provide for the people in the country. We're, we're protecting this piece of land at this point um, that we, and we wanna be rich so badly. It just, I think at the end of the day, there's a certain level, there has to be some balance. Um, exactly. If, yeah. But if there was enough, if, if, if there was an invasion or enough, uh, uh, if you needed bunker um, busters and bombs or anything like that, uh, B-52s or F-22s, like that's dropping bombs on Palestine and uh, on refugee camps, anything like that, you sure don't have enough of those. But if we came to get vaccine out to the people on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, there's so, there's, there's so much that I feel like we could, we could do differently. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's that being greedy is not illegal. Being unkind is not illegal. Um, and, and wanting to have power and, and then once we have the power in the wrong hands, um, gaining power isn't illegal. It's just, the issue is sometimes it is in the wrong hands and we don't disperse it enough. Well, it's the guys, you know, like the Clintons, the Hillary's and Obama's, you know, they paved the way for the last, uh, for, for, for Trump. And uh, we got a, you know, a bunch of old, tired old white men at the helm that's trying to run things and it's going that way ever since the inception of the country. Yeah, I mean, as, as, our, as our generation, um, as we get older and older, we're seeing more people that are of mixed race um, mm-hmm. coming in you know, it'll only be time that really tells if if we're going to be progressive, if we're going to keep it up or not, um, or if we're just going to find more discrimination. And I mean, I know there's places that even all as one race, um, because some people were lighter skinned, some are darker. There was discrimination. Just it happened. It was it was almost too. I, I think uh, at the last one of the last protests on MLK Day, we were leaving our peninsula park and. I think one of the best slogans that I heard, you know, I just don't want to have to say another name. And you heard that I, they had a, added a little more to that. And uh, I like well, that. We, uh, that's, that's what it is. That's actually what it came to. And, uh, well, we got. We have to stay on offensive and we have the upper hand and just, just, just keep moving. You have people that's going to jail. Over a thousand people got arrested last, uh, last year. Yeah. Just just this past week, uh, last week, some guys got arrested down at the ICE police. To me, it's almost an <coughs> it's almost an honor to be arrested for being on the right side. Um, well, thank you. Yes, of course. Um, all right, Caleb, are you still there? <laughs> Did you get yes, out of here? Ma'am. Yes, right. ma'am. So, uh, yeah, I just want to say something. Uh, thank you uh, very <coughs> much, Mr. Kenford. We, uh, this conversation is very much needed in our community. And actually, I, I, I actually do want to ask you another question if you have time. Uh, what is your message um, to young activists out there, um, you know, that might look up to you uh, as being a, a civil rights icon or you know, being somebody, um, you know, that has experienced all, what's your message to those young people? Well, thank you for the question. Uh, I would say 
let's uh, stay motivated, stay close, stay tight. Just stay in the streets. Uh, uh, the, the liberals, uh, the neocons, the neo-fascists, uh, they're not coming. We have to do it for ourselves. Yeah, if we're not going to, probably. No one else is. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm going to stop recording here. Um...